0: You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, it's Erin Carey and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. I am so excited. We are in for a treat today. Today I am speaking with Lucy Davis. Lucy Davis, loves yoga. And we are going to be talking all things yoga for mental health, for whole body health and wellness, for recovery, for healing, for everything. So a little bit more about Lucy. She loves Jesus, her husband, her son, her dogs, her friends and clients, 80s music. That is for sure the beach and Mexican food. She is the founder of pajama yoga with lucy.com. And that's Lucy with an eye. And she teaches in-person classes at living well, holistic counseling and wellness center in Tyler, Texas. Lucy began practicing yoga following surgery and treatment for thyroid cancer in 2006. And she believes that yoga was integral to her recovery physically, mentally, and emotionally. Her motto is practice with the body you have today. So you can see why I asked her to be on the show. She encourages her clients to approach their, their yoga practice with more compassion and less judgment. So, Lucy, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you, Erin. It's such an honor to get to to be with you and be on your podcast. I'm so excited.
0: I'm excited because Lucy, you are somebody that I know personally. It's not just I'm not inviting some you know expert from Norway to come onto the <laughs> show, which is always fun. But you're somebody I wanted to have on the show because I have benefited from your style of yoga as well, and I've been practicing as we say yoga for a little over five years now and you were the first person I ever took restorative yoga from and so it's it's a different it's a different kind of yoga that I didn't know I needed until I started doing it (laughs) and we can get to that later but first I want to I want you to share a little bit about your own story and how you found yoga and why you do it and why you care about it so much
1: Well, Erin, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2006, and I was 34 years old, and I had a, my son, who's my only child, was in kindergarten at the time, and so I had surgery and treatment for thyroid cancer, and when I went back to my doctor for my follow-up for him to release me, he said, I need you to do two things. And I remember thinking if he tells me to do cartwheels down the street in a tutu at five o'clock in the morning, every morning, I'm going to do it because you know, he just saved my life basically. So he said, I need you to do two things. He said, I need you to take your thyroid medicine every day. And I need you to do yoga. And I was like, okay, sure. So I came home. He was in Houston. I came home to Tyler found a yoga class went and took it and I had taken ballet growing up and I loved you know movement and so I went and took a yoga class and my first thought was where has this been all my life and it it was like something clicked and I just knew that that this was what I needed and um and so i began practicing and then i began my journey to get certified to teach and you know i i think i'm kind of a little bit of an oddball of a yoga teacher in that i like it all i like a good hot sweaty power just kick your butt yoga class but i also like a gentle sweet nurturing slow, low, restorative class. And I like everything in between. And so just over the years, um, I have just experimented with different styles of yoga and I love them all. And I like to say that yoga is like Baskin Robbins. There are lots of flavors. And if you try one flavor and you don't like it, that doesn't mean that there's not another flavor out there that's right for you.
0: I'm so glad that you shared that because a lot of people who have tried yoga before have maybe only tried it one time, or they've tried one type of yoga and they didn't like it for whatever reason. And so they've never done it again, you know, and, and even for me, the style that I, I practiced for about four years before COVID shut my gym down was only one flavor <laughs> of yoga. And then I started taking from you and it living well and realizing, oh, there's a lot more to it. And so I, I also want to know what made your doctor prescribe yoga for you? Because that's fascinating to me.
1: It is fascinating. And um, he had a very holistic Um, mindset and viewpoint. And I would later understand at the time, he didn't really explain it to me. He just said, I want you to do this. But I would later understand because I had thyroid cancer and I had my thyroid completely removed. Thyroid um, hormone is used all over your body and your brain uses thyroid hormone. And one of the things that I really struggled with after my surgery and my treatment were memory, concentration, and focus. Well, One of the things I love about yoga, yoga truly is a mind-body experience. So you can be walking on the treadmill and there's nothing wrong with walking on the treadmill, but you can be walking on the treadmill and your brain can be anywhere. You can be thinking about your grocery list or the argument you had with your spouse or whatever. Your brain, you can be off in la-la land, but your body's moving, but your brain and your body are not on the same page. And in yoga, as you know, you have to get your brain and your body on the same page. And that was my doctor's reason for prescribing yoga so that I could begin to rebuild those neural pathways and, and reclaim the memory, the concentration, and the focus that had been so affected by having my thyroid removed and having that lack of thyroid hormone you know, for my brain to use.
0: I think that, I think that is so interesting. Like I, there are not that many, especially not in what year did you say that was 2006. Mm-hmm. So 2006 for somebody to tell you, and now we even, we know even more about these connections, you know, in the last, however many years it's been. And so I really, I I love that that is a prescription that you were given. And so what, as you've been practicing yoga for this long and you've been teaching, What is it that you love about this that you find is so different and beneficial for the mind-body connection than other forms of movement that somebody could do?
1: Well, I do think the fact that, you know, you have to, you have to, like I said, get your brain, your body, everything has to kind of get in the on the same page and be working together. And of course, people who practice yoga they know that it makes you feel better, right? And and one of the things I love about yoga is that it makes you feel better now. I mean, it makes you, you feel better at the end of a class, but it's also cumulative and you're going to feel better, you know, over time, whether it's that you're recovering from a physical injury or whether you're dealing with um, emotional stress, trauma, whatever it is. And so... What I love is that the things that those of us who have been practicing yoga for a while that we've instinctively known that that we feel better. Now the research is coming out and the science is coming out to to really affirm and confirm that and we're beginning to understand why yoga makes us feel better.
0: Yeah. So let's get into a little bit about the vagus nerve because we've talked about the vagus nerve on the show before when we're just talking about the gut brain connection and, but I know that the vagus nerve plays a huge role in yoga and you use different poses in your, in your class that help to stimulate the vagus nerve. So I, and even different, what is it? The ear massage that uh, we can get into that if you want, (laughs) but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk vagus nerve.
1: Okay, so the vagus nerve is the tenth cranial nerve, and it the the word vagus and it's v a g u s, not v e g a s. It's the same root word. Um, for a vagabond or wanderer. And the vagus nerve, it just kind of wanders. It's, it originates in the brain stem and it wanders through the body. It touches the throat, the lungs, the heart, the stomach, liver, pancreas, small intestine, kidneys. And what's really interesting is that the vagus nerve was very first mentioned in medical literature um, by a Greek physician named Claudius Galen. And I mean, this was back, like he lived from 130 to 200 AD and he treated, injured gladiators. And so he was the first person to talk about the vagus nerve. And so for a long time, we had um, kind of a a simplistic view of the vagus nerve, but it's also very easy to understand. Um, and then Dr. Uh, Stephen Porges came along in 1994 and he kind of expanded that view of the vagus nerve and brought about the polyvagal theory. And so we've shifted from um, when I first started training to be a yoga instructor, we talked a lot about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic aspects of our autonomic nervous system and to just a very simple explanation and um, sympathetic is what we think about as fight or flight and parasympathetic is rest and digest and then we've gotten. A, a little more complex with it, and discovered that there's a little, few more layers to it. And so now um, we look at sympathetic as fight or flight. And then we have the ventral vagal circuit and the dorsal vagal circuit. And the ventral vagal circuit is your rest and digest, your healthy social engagement. Your dorsal vagal circuit is more your freeze. Uh, depression kind of getting stuck in a low place. And they they all interact with each other. These different these different circuits all work together and they it's not one or the other. It they can work in unison together to bring about different states of the nervous system.
0: That is so fascinating. I, I love the way that you explain something that's pretty complicated in a way that most of us can understand with Without a whole background in, you know, polyvagal theory. So I want to take a second and pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. Now, as we're discussing, working on our own stress management tools and learning something new like yoga, that can be tough and it can take up a lot of time. But putting in the work to hire the next great candidate for your business It's easier than you think, especially with Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want. A short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you hire the right people right now. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can even invite them to apply right away. One of the things that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy, and candidates that you invite to apply through Indeed Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who only see it in a search, according to Indeed data. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. You can hire faster and better than ever with Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash spark. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash spark. Indeed.com slash spark. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Lucy, we are talking about how these vagal circuits all work together for the nervous system. So I'd I'd love to know, maybe you could explain this a little bit further. How does the vagus nerve affect the autonomic nervous system of fight or flight or rest and digest?
1: So when we start talking about the vagus nerve, an analogy that I really like is it's like a trampoline. Okay. So think about, we talk about vagal tone. So poor vagal tone would be an old trampoline. You know, it's kind of the vinyl or whatever the fabric is, is ripped. And some of the springs are broken and you go to jump on it and it just kind of sacks. That's poor vagal tone. So good vagal tone would be a brand new trampoline and it's nice and tight and all the springs are working. And so if you go to jump on it, let's imagine that the person jumping on it is stressed. And so the stress is gonna bounce off. So that leads us into resilience. I mean, we could talk all day. We (laughs) we can get into heart rate variability and all that good stuff. But but so when we talk about vagal tone, yoga improves vagal tone, deep breathing, humming, which I love, I love humming. And another thing that improves vagal tone is cold water. You hear about people taking ice baths. One thing I do, I don't like to be cold, but every morning I fill up a mixing bowl out of my kitchen with ice and water and I dunk my face in it. I do it for 15 seconds. I hold my breath for 15 seconds and then I come out and take a deep breath and do it for 15 more seconds And, and I feel energized. So all kinds of fun, quirky little things we can do and the ear massage, all kinds of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you emphasize stress resilience because I think that that's something that we are, many of us are lacking. And I don't know what it is. You know, I, I think maybe societies, you know, cultures in the past maybe had a stronger stress resilience than we do now, because it seems like our stress resilience is just waning. And because we do have more of an epidemic of mental illness, or maybe it's more talked about or more diagnosed, I don't know than ever before when we know people have experienced all kinds of hardships in the past. And so there's something to be said for even things like humming and chanting things that monks did things that were done for centuries that we don't do now, because that's like old weird stuff. What does that do? You know? And even like you said, in ice baths, we, we have warm water. Why would we put our face in cold water when we can do warm water? You know, like all these things that you're talking about are things that maybe intuitively were done a long time ago, but we don't do because it's, it's different and it might be hard and it might be even something like yoga. I'd love to know a little bit about how different yoga moves stimulate vagal tone.
1: Well, you know, the, the breath is the biggest aspect of it in yoga. And, um, we actually just did a breath workshop recently and it was so awesome, but, um, you know, you can use the breath. So breath is really interesting because, uh, breath can be, breath is involuntary. I mean, we, we breathe without thinking about it, but we can also manipulate our breath and, and in a voluntary way and change how we feel. So we can breathe a lot of, in my classes, I use what's called a balanced breath where the inhale and the exhale just come into balance with each other. And that is a very, it's balance, equilibrium, bringing everything into balance. You can go into a, um, a breathing technique where you extend your exhale by about two or three beats longer than your inhale. That's a great breathing technique to do at night before you go to bed, because it's very soothing and relaxing and down-regulating. And there, there are all these different Breathing techniques, and some of them are, are really complicated, and some of them are really simple. But the thing about yoga is, you're moving and you're breathing, and it's all in unison. And the word yoga means yoke or unite, and so we are yoking or uniting mind, body, and spirit as we move and breathe. And a lot of times in yoga, you know, will like with sun salutations we'll inhale to reach the arms overhead and we'll exhale to bring the hands back to heart center so it's that one movement per breath you know linking it all together and that's where where it becomes effective for the vagus nerve
0: and i think when people start experiencing that they get it but it does take a while to be able to Use the breathing along with the movement because I know for me, the first few yoga classes I did, it was like, wait, what no, now I'm doing this, my hands are going here, my legs go here. Wait, what? And I think many of us were so we're used to the performance aspect of working out and movement that it's hard to be present. So, what do you say to somebody who is wanting to do yoga for the fitness aspect and and doesn't really understand the the breathing aspect?
1: Well, it's funny that you asked me that because um, I have a friend whose husband has been coming to some of my classes and we were talking the other day and she, she said, he just doesn't get it. He, he's just there for the exercise. And I said, that's okay. Because even though he quote, doesn't get it, He's getting the benefits of yoga, even if he thinks he's just there for the exercise aspect of it. And that's the beauty of yoga, because a lot of people will initially come to yoga because, you know, they're a runner and they're tight and they want to improve their flexibility or, you know, whatever they do. They want to complement the other activities they're involved in with yoga. And a lot of people come to it initially for the physical aspect. And there's nothing wrong with that they're getting all the other great benefits of yoga, whether they realize it or not. So my advice is always just practice with the body you have today. That's my motto. You know, we don't have mirrors in our studio. I'm um, We're not, it, we're not here to be the, the, you know, perfect pose. That's not what it's about. It it's about, moving and breathing in your body, whatever is going on in your body right now today. And I I always tell, and, you know, living well, the counselors send, Mm -hmm. you send clients over for yoga. And, you know, a lot of times they'll have a client that they feel like really needs restorative yoga. But if that person is a really type A driven, you know, let's go, they probably need to do a more, powerful type class just with more movement because if they start in restorative yoga they're going to get bored they're going to get frustrated and they're not going to come back so it's really important like we talked about at the beginning to figure out you know if you try a yoga class and you don't like it you know maybe it was the style you didn't like maybe it was that you didn't click with the instructor go try another one because they're all different styles of yoga and there are a whole bunch of instructors out there. So try something different if you don't like it the first time.
0: Yeah. And I, I've got to add in something real fast. I hear your dog snoring in the background. My dog, I'm on mute while you're talking. My dog is <laughs> whining. So if anybody is listening to this going, what is happening? <laughs> Those might well, be the sounds that you're hearing, but this is real life. So
1: this, <laughs> my dogs are in my yoga videos on pajama yes. Lucy. So, you know, they're just, they're just, it's real life and uh-huh. they're and part of, they're part of, they're a very important part of my life. So,
0: yeah. And I, and I actually kind of like that because I think hearing them breathe can be soothing sometimes. <laughs> like it, it helps me to remember, oh yeah, yeah I got, I got to take a deeper breath and, you know, be more intentional about my breathing. So I love that, but I do want to get back to what you're saying, your whole practice with the body you have today. I, when I first heard that, that really nailed it for me because yoga is the first quote, workout <laughs> that I ever did where I felt empowered in the body that I have and I say that you know I I know quite a few it's funny I've talked to other people who have a um a past um exposure to dance or ballet or whatever and that's one of the reasons they love yoga that's not me I am like let me do the high impact I did cheerleading let me just see if I can jump higher go harder go faster than anybody else and yoga, I can't do that at all. I have to actually be present in my body. And I'd love to know a little bit more about finding how you've experienced clients, yourself, different people finding body peace in yoga, because that's been really powerful for me and my healing. And just accepting that my legs don't always straighten when I do this pose, or I, you know, I, I can't be like anybody else. I can only be who I am and the body that I have. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that aspect of it and where you came up with that phrase even.
1: Well, it just kind of evolved over over time and years of teaching and trying to find a way to convey to people, to my students and clients that, you know, instead of coming to yourself on your mat with judgment or frustration or whatever, just come come to yourself on your mat with loving kindness and compassion. And the body you have today is all you've got. It's not the body you had 10 years ago. It's not the body you're going to have six months from now. And it was really... Um, it was so neat for me. I, I had a session with um, an individual client and she she told me later, you know, after the session that it was a restorative general session, that it was the first time she had ever experienced yoga as a nurturing receiving experience and not a performance-based experience. And so it's just, um, it's so important to, to just be able to go through our day-to-day lives and be comfortable in our bodies. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm have days where I'm like, okay, you know, I had, I gained a little COVID fluff and, (laughs) but I'm, I'm 49 years old and I'm practicing yoga and I'm probably stronger and healthier than I've ever been in my life. So I'm not going to beat myself up about my couple of extra pounds of COVID fluff when I put on my yoga leggings. And so it's just it's all about whatever's going on in your body, whatever's going on in, you know, I I talk about this in class all the time, whatever's going on in your body, your head, your heart, just let it be there. Don't fight it. Don't get carried away by it. Just let it be there. Come to it with compassion and move and breathe. And, and it really comes, a lot of it comes back to gratitude and being thankful for what your body can do, what all the things that your body allows you to do, rather than being frustrated about what you can't do.
0: Absolutely. And for so many women, we spend our entire lives being told that we need to change something about our bodies. And I think even if you go back to, if if you're a female and you're listening to this, go back to your earliest memory of, of body language by body language, I mean, what people say about your body or about their own body. Most of us, our authority figures, we're not saying nice things about our, about their bodies. You know, most of us grew up with somebody being on a diet or somebody talking about needing to lose weight or needing to fix this or thunder thighs or fluffy hip. I was called heifer hips in eighth or ninth grade. And my goodness, I did not, I don't even know what that means. First of all, second of all, did not at all have the heifer hips to whatever that means, you know? And so we just get these negative connotations about our body from a young, young age. And that is inflammatory. That causes inflammation in our body. And any of those negative thoughts are toxic from our brain to our gut. And it does impact in a negative way that stress resilience. And it keeps us in fight or flight, even about our bodies. Oh, I hear my dog doing something. Sorry, everyone. Um, (laughs) But I, I think that's so important to find something, whether it's yoga or walking or meditation or prayer or some way that you can be still and present in the body that you have and flood that body, the cells, because every cell is listening to your thoughts, flood your body with positive thoughts about it because your body's listening. And I, it, it's just, I, I could go on a tangent because what you're saying is so important. And I wish more people believe this because we spend too much time on improvement and working hard. And that's stressful. And we spend our lives up, regulate, up, regulating our nervous system instead of downregulating, Right.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's been neat for me over the years, cause I've had the opportunity to work with just a lot of different people. I had, um, I have a client currently who has MS and you talk about practicing with the body you have today, because I see her twice a week and You know, I can have a plan for what I think we're going to do that day, but I walk in and it's all about how she's feeling that day and what her energy level is. And, and she has, she has done such a beautiful job of practicing with the body she has today. And, and, you know, a lot of that goes back to being aware, like some people don't even, they're not even aware of what that body is or, You know how they—they're so out of touch with how they're feeling physically, emotionally—that we have to crack that open first before we can even get to the next step. But, and so it's just been awesome because I—I've had the opportunity to work with my client who has MS. I had a client who had Parkinson's, and that was fascinating to work with him and see his progress even just teeny tiny baby steps and um, another client who had had a stroke and so it's just it it's so important to to be grateful for and be at peace with the body that we have and what it enables us to do I mean the fact that I can remember after my surgery and my treatment for thyroid cancer, when I was so fatigued and exhausted, some days I would just go to class and just be in child's pose on my mat, but I went and I was on my mat and that was my accomplishment for the day.
0: Yeah. I've done an experiment with myself recently because my go-to is if I have free time, I'm going to get a workout in of some kind. And, and just recently, because in during, the COVID lockdown, I couldn't go to my yoga class. And so I just didn't do any yoga. And I spent that time doing high, higher impact strength training, whatever, but I was constantly inflamed, constantly sore. My body was telling me, and so many of us, we don't want to listen to our bodies. We want our bodies to do what we say, instead of <laughs> listening to what our bodies are telling us that they want, you know I mean? And we need to work together. And I think, what you're saying about that self-awareness piece. I, when I think about that, I think about how trauma can keep us trapped and, and unable to tune in with the needs of our body. And so how have you seen yoga as, as therapeutic for people who have trauma? Because that's a, that's really tough.
1: Mm -hmm. It is. And, you know, um, we say we use the term a lot. Your issues are in your tissues. And of course, you know, you and I both love the book by uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, The Body Keeps the Score, which is so true. And, you know, working with with people who have been through all different kinds of trauma it really is, it, it's a very personal and individual experience. And it's interesting to me because where I really see the most um, breakthrough, I guess, if you want to use that term, is usually with breath work and with restorative yoga. Because a lot of people who are carrying trauma around um, ha- they stay in fight or flight. And so being able to slow down and and be still enough to come out of that and work alongside. That's what's so cool at Living Well is working alongside the counselors, because, you know, the research is showing as as we look at counseling and the body keeps the score that. You can only for a lot of people, you can only get so far with talk therapy. And then you've got all these other modalities. You've got EMDR and all these other things that is basically that's eye movement. And then you bring yoga into it where we are breathing and moving the body and unblocking. So maybe the body has been holding on to something or has just tightened up somewhere, almost like just a, a protection to protect something energetically and we start moving and breathing and we open that up and then we can we can let it go
0: yeah that protection factor is is huge that when we have these symptoms when our body is responding in a way that we're not happy about it's typically some sort of protection and that's another aspect of yoga that's so powerful is it's we're not being judgmental about that we're not even you know you talk about we don't push through the pain, but we breathe into discomfort. And that's very, very different. And there are so many metaphors (laughs) to life being in a yoga class, when we're talking about breathing into something that's uncomfortable instead of running from it instead of numbing it instead of turning to other behaviors you have to sit in that discomfort and i think that that is really powerful too and you're right i mean you can't just do talk therapy there've got to be other things going on to ha- to help us heal so you have a video that you did recently um about how yoga is your antidepressant i want to talk a little bit about that, and how just the the antidepressant effects of yoga. and I know that goes back to probably decreasing inflammation in the vagus nerve. but um yeah, how how do you see that showing up?
1: Well, it was interesting because as a yoga teacher, sometimes I uh, forget that I need to practice yoga, and I try really hard to, you know, take classes from other instructors whenever I can, but sometimes I just, That falls by the wayside because I'm busy, and that happened to me recently, and I kind of got into a dark place. You know, the world's heavy right now, Erin. There's a lot going on, and I firmly believe in being proactive when it comes to stress management. And I realized I had a, I had just a really, it was like a Friday afternoon, and I was just down. Like I, I didn't want to get off the couch. I was tired. I was sad. I didn't even want to watch TV. I just wanted to lie on the couch with the dogs. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, sometimes we that's what we need. But then the next morning on Saturday, I went and took a yoga class from one of our other instructors at Living Well, and I felt like a million bucks. And it hit me. Oh, yeah, Lucy, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> the reason you were so down in the dumps was I realized I hadn't taken a yoga class in about 10 days to two weeks at that point and and I needed to practice I needed to get on my mat and move and breathe and generate all that good stuff and get out all that yucky stuff and I, I felt like a new person and I thought oh maybe I should practice what I preach you think <laughs>
0: Yeah. Same, same for me. I took a few weeks off of yoga because life got crazy and busy. And I noticed myself feeling that almost like a, um, like a weight on my chest. Like there's a knot like just in the top of my bottom, of my throat, top of my chest that I just could not, could not get rid of. And just that buzzing brain feeling of like not being able to settle down or chill. And, There's something about the breathing. There's something about the movement going slow. It is true. It is my therapy. It is absolutely like when I'm there, I'm like, okay, everything else goes away. I don't have to worry about notifications on my phone. And because I think that's a big problem for all of us. We are all overly activated with notifications and alerts. And I mean, I remember back... 20 years ago, I didn't know what was going on in the world unless I turned on the news. Well, now I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my social media. I've got it on however many different apps plus the news. If I turn it on, which I don't, um, you know, and it's like, and the, now, and not only do we get the news, we get all the opinions of the news and we get all the different sides of the news. And that is stressful. And that's stressing me out. Just talking about, it, you know, and we're
1: being bombarded,
0: constantly. bombarded. Yes. Yes. And there's no other time for us to sit still and be quiet unless you've got a regular practice of meditation. And I don't know many people who do. So to go to a yoga class or turn on one of your videos, it's like, okay, this is what I need. I used to go, I used to go run, run it out, but that keeps me in that upregulated state. You know, it keeps me, and sometimes it worked for a while, but sometimes it just keeps me going, buzzing instead of calming the buzz. And so I, it's it's very impactful and that's why I wanted to do a whole episode about it because i don't think many women realize that they don't need more exercise or more eating programs or more diet plans like just be still just be still and slow it down and and i know sometimes that happens as we age we realize maybe we need it more than than we did before but i mean if you could if if you could share anything about yoga with somebody who's just starting out, um, that, that you feel like would be helpful that you wish you could have said to yourself, you know, five, 10 years before you got started, what, what could, what would it be?
1: Just be consistent and, and develop your practice and just, just get on your mat because we know one of the things that's so beautiful about yoga, because you have different styles and flavors, yoga is a lifelong practice. CrossFit is not a lifelong practice. <laughs> Running for most people is not a lifelong practice because something's going to give out. But yoga is a lifelong practice. And I wish I had started it sooner than I did. So I would say get started and get on your mat. Practice with the body you have today and let your practice evolve with you. We, we go through different seasons of life and different times of you know, different things going on. And so find a way to practice yoga that fits what's going on in your life right now. If you need more powerful yoga, do more powerful yoga. If you need more restorative yoga, do more restorative yoga, but just get on your mat and move and breathe and practice.
0: Yeah. I am with you. Just do it. Just try it and see what happens and be consistent because it does. I remember when I first started, um, my instructor said, just give it six weeks, just see the six weeks, see what happens. Um, Can you share a little bit about, because I know on your website, you have different meditations, other relaxation things, and you have one about a vague, vagal, vagus nerve ear massage. Mm -hmm. And my seven-year-old asked me to do that every single night. So can you share a little bit about what in the world that even is?
1: Well, so, you know, the vagus nerve has little nerve endings that go into your face and your ears. And so just a gentle massage of the ear, starting at the top of the ear and just rolling that cartilage and slowly working your way down to the earlobe and then back up again and just taking your time. And it's, it's very gentle. It's almost like you imagine like uh, the skin on your ear is as thin as tissue paper. So it's just a very gentle, just rolling that skin around. And because the vagus nerve has little tiny nerve endings all the way in your ears, it just stimulates the vagus nerve and, and it just tells your nervous system to chill out. (laughs) So it's very soothing, very relaxing.
0: Yeah. And our kids need that. We need it. (laughs) We all need to be told to chill out.
1: (laughs) We we all need it right now. And we need to be proactive about self-care and about building resilience.
0: Yes. It can't be on the defense. We have to go in front of it. I agree. Yeah. What are some of your favorite breathing? I know we just did that, the breath workshop that I missed and I'm really annoyed about, Uh, but what are some of your favorite breathing techniques? So say, you know, I'm frustrated because I asked my kids to do something a thousand times. They didn't do it. And then I realized that I need to go to the grocery store because I forgot something I was going to add to dinner. And then my husband says he's running late home from work and I am feeling like I'm going to lose it. What's a, what could I do there?
1: So what, what does our body naturally do when we're frustrated like that? We sigh, or we sigh, right? <laughs> I do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, my husband and my son would always say to me, why are you sighing? And I would say, I'm not sighing, I'm breathing. But um, that's a breath that, that the sigh, I call it the clearing breath. So you inhale through your nose and you just sigh it all out your mouth, all your frustration, all your, whatever. And that breathing technique can be used for a lot of things. And if you need to have a difficult conversation with someone and you feel like you need to kind of clear the path and open up your throat so that you can say the words you need to say, you can take a few minutes and take some inhales through your nose and sigh it out your mouth. And you can open your mouth as wide as you want to and get it all out. So that's, you know, when you're frustrated and you need to release, that's a great one. If you just need to go um, lock yourself in the bathroom and, and calm down, you know, maybe you do the clearing breath for a few breaths and get all that frustration out. And then maybe you just focus on the balanced breath, breathing in and out through your nose and bringing your inhale and your exhale into balance with each other. So they become more equal in length and depth. So that's a great way to um, to just bring everything back into balance and equilibrium.
0: And it's something that, that we can teach our kids. I wish somebody taught me stress management techniques. You know, I remember it being in drama in ninth grade and we did a relaxation, a breathing thing. And I remember thinking, this is the best thing I've ever done. And I used to try it at night when I was going to sleep, like, you know, like relax the top of your head, relax your ears, kind of similar to what you do in your class. It's yeah. Just that, what would you say? Body. body. Yes. Yes. And that is powerful. And I think we could teach our kids that and teach our kids to breathe. Although in the moment it's not helpful because my four-year-old will be like, I don't want to breathe. So (laughs) we've got to, but, but it's the same for adults in the moment. That's not going to be your go-to unless you're practicing it regularly. You know, if you're going to yoga and you're practicing breathing, eventually that breathing is going to be comforting to you during other times. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. I have a client and who she loves the bumblebee breath, which is humming. And it's just inhaling through your nose and then humming. And she told me one time that she was having a really stressful day at work. And so she just went and sat in her car and hummed for a little while. (laughs) Because she didn't feel like she could sit at her desk and hum because everyone might wonder if she was okay. But she went and sat in her car and hummed for a little bit. And then she went back to the office and felt a lot better.
0: Okay. I just had an aha moment. I love when this happens. So Richard and I laugh. Uh, Richard is my husband and we laughed that he has a shame song that if he thinks about something, a moment in his life that he has regret about or shame or wishes he did differently, he'll catch himself going like this random little hum. (laughs) And he caught it one time. And ever since then, if I hear him doing a humming like that, I'm like, are you, do you just have a, have a thought pop up for you? Is that the shame song? But it's, that's a soothing mechanism. It is. You are soothing your body and you're soothing because it's like, I'm I'm trying to release from that. Like I'm getting rid of that negative thought from the past. That is so funny. And I even think, you know, we get onto little kids about sucking their thumbs, but isn't that stimulating the vagus nerve as well?
1: Absolutely. And humming is so cool because when you hum, it vibrates the roof of your mouth. Well, what's, what's above that your brainstem and your brain. And so you're literally soothing your brain. It's like rocking your brain by humming.
0: Okay. So everybody needs to hum more basically (laughs) is like, because if it's soothing your brain, I mean, it's activating your brainstem. That's doing a lot. So that, that humming is really important. We need a, a humming class, not just a (laughs) breath class. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I just, my brain is a little, I I never really connected that. Like I, you know, these things that you read about, but then talking to you about it, it's like, okay, I see how this all comes together. And I love this. I think it's so beautiful the way our bodies are put together in this way.
1: Well, God created our bodies to thrive and to be, healthy. And, you know, it's, it's our job to be good stewards of these bodies that he has given us so that we can, so that we can live out our purpose.
0: Mm -hmm. Our cells can renew, our brain cells can renew. We are walking reminders of the way that things can be renewed. And I mean, if you look outside in the plants, we see it in nature all the time, but we don't believe it about ourselves. We believe that we're stuck and that we can't change and that we can't heal and we can't process or get past these negative emotions and things that we're stuck with. And you're what you do with yoga. You help people get onto that journey.
1: Well, it's such a joy for me just to get if i can just be a small part of someone's journey to healing and to to feeling better physically mentally emotionally whatever it is if i can just be a tiny part of that then i've done what i was put on this earth to do
0: yeah absolutely and and i think it's such a good reminder for people that a lot of times we hear about yoga being a religion right and we hear that it's like this woo woo that we're doing these chants to all these other gods and it's like this and i don't know maybe maybe certain classes they they do things that are different but I, when you look at it just from the physical we know about that mind body connection we know about the vagus nerve that you mentioned and this is a way to find healing and, and get your body to respond that there's not really a whole lot of other ways of moving your body that, that are going to touch on this, you know, running is just not quite going to cut it walking, maybe, you know, a nice slow walk where you're, you know, doing that bilateral movement or whatever that can be healthy, therapeutic too, but man, yoga incorporates everything.
1: Yes, it does. It's, it's, it's the Swiss army knife. <laughs> it
0: is. <laughs> It really is. And you get pretty strong. I will. That's, that's been a surprising part about yoga too, is that there are, it, it is, it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of inner strength and outer strength, you know, and I, and I love that. So tell me, you know, the last question I always love to ask people, if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be?
1: It would be to in some way, find what you love find your passion, whatever it is, if it's teaching yoga, if it's, you know, being consulting people about healthy eating, if it's rescuing animals, whatever it is, even if you can't do it as your profession and your job, find a way to incorporate it into your life. So whatever it is, find something that you love, that you're passionate about, and that you, that you, that makes you feel fulfilled and do it as much as you possibly can.
0: Yes, absolutely. Amen to that. And where can people find you and subscribe to your website um, so that they can do yoga with you in their pajamas, <laughs> in
1: yeah. their jammies? So, um, my website is www.pajamayogawithlucy.com. And um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. My uh, classes. Uh, my subscription is $15 a month. I release three classes a week. And when you subscribe, you get access to all of my previous classes, which is well over a hundred. I haven't counted lately. So, um, and I do usually on Mondays, I release kind of a, a good, just basic yoga class with some good standing and balance work on Wednesdays. I release a restorative class and on Fridays I do a meditation And I'm, I'm excited. I have a new um, meditation series about to start called bathtub meditations, and I'm actually doing them in the bathtub because I love to take a bath and I love to meditate. So I'm combining the two. So that's where you can find me online. And then if, if you happen to ever be in Tyler, Texas, um, I'm at living well, holistic counseling and wellness center, which is just an incredible, incredible, amazing space. So come see us.
0: It is an amazing space. And I, uh, if you want to take a day trip, if you live close enough, we've got massage therapist, plus yoga, plus new calm, red light therapy, infrared sauna. Um, there are so many amazing things that you could do at living well to have a day of rest and digest, which many of us need. So, yeah, but I, I cannot recommend Lucy's yoga videos enough. That was what I discovered during that COVID lockdown that really changed things for me. I needed my yoga. I needed that slowdown. And even now I did one of the videos this morning. I did one of the restorative because I just needed to breathe. And my dog was chewing on my bun the whole time. <laughs> And so I had to kick him out, but he loves anytime my hair is in a high bun, he loves to come in so weird. Um, But it was still so helpful. And I noticed immediately how good I felt and how I really, it does regulate me for the rest of the day. So I can't recommend Lucy has a special magic touch with yoga that you guys really need to check out. So thank you so much for being on the show. This was so fun and it's just good to, I probably talk too much, but I just get so excited about this topic and you are the expert and you are causing it. You are the catalyst for healing for a lot of people. And I just appreciate what you do.
1: Thank you. It's such an honor to get to be with you today, Erin.